Welcome to Connecting Africa, a podcast series from Africa Tech Festival, where we will be chatting to some of Africa's top thought leaders and startups about the hot topics in tech across the continent and beyond. I'm Paula Gilbert. I'm the editor of Connecting Africa, and I'm recording this from Durban, which is on the east coast of South Africa. My name is Toby, co-founder of Venture for Africa, recording this from Accra, Ghana, where I'm based, although I'm Nigerian. And I'm Tian, the video producer of Informa Tech, also the editor of this very podcast, recording this from Jersey City. Or I just tell people it's New York City because I'm just <laughs> a river across from Manhattan. Super app, it's like multiple platform. You go in there, you don't have to download five different apps. The idea is that you get to fulfill a lot of your needs via your smartphone on this one app. Might be a messaging app, but you can also send people money because also providing banking services. It could also be ride sharing. I think it's like a concept that's been around for a while, like in Asia. But I think like in Africa, we've started hearing about it more the last like two, three years. There's been this talk of like a super app, you know, as this amazing thing that's coming. And here it's like a lot of the telcos are launching their own super apps. So like MTN's launching one um, or have half launched it, but they've based it off their messaging app, Ioba. So from the messenger app, then they're offering other services. Vodacom's going a different way. They sort of use their payment app. And then from there, they're building out services. And then Safaricom, which is obviously linked to Vodacom. Um, also, they've launched theirs, also based off Mpesa, um, more of like the fintech side, and then offering more things on top of that. Right. So I guess that's kind of the strategy. But then, like, for our guest today, it's more from the ride-sharing side, right? And that's kind of a concept that's come more out of Asia. Yeah, I think we will be remiss if we don't talk about some of the biggest, I guess, giants in the super app sphere, if you will. Paytm is a big one. It's in India. 350 million subscribers and they're a legit bank. Uh, Kakao is a South Korean messaging app. 80% of the South Korean population subscribes to it. So you see how powerful they are. And of course, you cannot talk about Super App without talking about WeChat. Everybody's looking at them. You honestly cannot survive in China, even as a tourist, without downloading WeChat. If you ask to pay cash, they have to call their manager because the, the regular clerks just don't have the power to give you change. They don't even know where the cash is in the store. Most stores just don't use cash. And get this, a homeless person, if they're asking for money and you like look around and say, I don't have any cash, you know, they, they always pull out their phone and say, I receive uh, WeChat pay. <laughs> That's insane. Which all bring us to Africa. Yeah, absolutely. And so they're called, uh, just to let the cat out of the bag, they're called Gozem. And they, they've described themselves as Africa's number one super app. Um, TN would debate that, but I guess, you know, <laughs> we'll find out in the conversation. But currently, they're operational across Francophone West Africa and Central Africa as well. And they provide on-demand transportation, delivery, cash cashless payment solutions in one app to hundreds of thousands of users across the different markets that they're in. So whereas, obviously, as Tian has said earlier in Asia, it's come really either from messaging, then to payments, and then everything else in between. Um, Gozem is sort of like going the transportation routes, like like the logistics and ride hailing routes first which to be fair gokada is another example on their website as well they also call themselves africa's super app so i guess everyone who's building a super app in africa is starting from the transportation sector as where that like you know that's where they repeat transactions enough because um, i think with messaging whatsapp has sort of like locked that down 
and you can't build a messaging service now and think you want to build anything on top of it. So、um, that's where that's where we are. They were going to you know steep competition with WhatsApp and other apps alike, so they decided to go with the transportation route, which apparently for anybody who doesn't live in Africa. It's something that people use every day. Like they're also targeting sort of the motorbike rideshare market, which is big in a lot of you know Francophone Africa, well, and West Africa, English-speaking West Africa as well. We speak to Rafael Dana, the co-CEO and co-founder of Gozem, and this man, born in France, grew up in Switzerland, went to school in the United States. Also work in Singapore, so he had this variety of experience,、uh, and then he kind of travel travel all over the world. And you do wonder why Africa. Hi, Rafael. Welcome to the Connecting Africa podcast. Thanks for joining us today. As you said, I'm the, the co-founder and co-CEO of、uh, of Gozam. I'm currently in Togo. I hope it's going to be fine. There's a massive storm outside. Just for people listening to us, so in case it goes bad or we're losing the connection.、Uh, but this is the thing when you're in West、uh, in West Africa, it can be really stormy、uh, the, with the, with the weather. Yeah. So I'm Rafael Dana.、Uh, Originally born in France, so I'm French, and I was raised in Switzerland.、Uh, went to college in the U.S.、Uh, first job was in Bangui, Central African Republic. Then I moved to Singapore ten、uh, years ago, where I had a third company doing、uh, market entry. I had a lot of big clients, including Viber, the chat apps, and I helped、uh, this company to grow in Asia. And then I did a lot of job for them in Africa. That's how I discovered the African opportunity, and then ended up that I created Gozem. With Gregory and Emika, my actual partners. So truly, a citizen of the world. Yes, I am. I am. Why Africa? You know, why? As you've been to so many places in the world, why did you decide to start this company in West and Central Africa? This is what I, I've discovered coming here to Africa.、Uh, originally, there was nothing about impact. To be honest, to, we just thought it was an amazing idea, but we were really thinking like, "Wow, it's amazing." There's so many problems on this continent. That when you're building a startup, you're solving real problems. You know, not like when you are in, in London or in New York, where you're solving a problem. You're solving a problem for rich people that have everything. And you know? you're actually creating a problem by by adding another app. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're right. <laughs> oh my god. So,、uh, yeah. So I think that、uh, that was one of, of the main drivers. Is that you? We. It was really about doing something、uh, really impactful. You know, you're talking about a super app. You guys call yourselves a super app, and it's kind of a term that's getting thrown around a lot more these days. So, so kind of, how would you define what a super app is, and what kind of makes you guys one? Sure. So, I think my, the first thing about a super app、uh, is that I think it's really driven by frontier and emerging market. Because super app means that you're adding a lot of like universal services in in one experience, and you can do transportation and delivery and payment, but If you're in New York, on any vertical, you're going to find 15 startups with billions of dollars on each of them. So you cannot be a winner takes all and be like one app where that everybody's going to be using. And I don't even think that Facebook or Google in the U.S. would technically be able to、uh, to achieve this. You know,、uh, I think it's too complex and it's too much money. Those markets are too developed. So the, I think the first thing about super app that we need, where with most people we agree, is that it's coming from emerging market. The one who's the most famous super app in the world and the biggest one is WeChat in China, 
But if you remember, it's, it started as an emerging market, which is not today. I mean, Africa, uh, China is the, uh, the biggest economy with the U.S. today, running the world. Uh, so WeChat is a super app because it started in a really uh, emerging market, which is not today. So it's this legacy of, it, of this one-stop shop. Uh, this is why we've been able to see a super app in Southeast Asia. And I, and I think the biggest opportunity on building super apps today is in Africa because you can really come into this uh, one, build this, this one experience with one ecosystem, providing many services to the same user. Like you mentioned though, WeChat, obviously um, a lot of these super apps kind of started as a chat service or maybe even as a financial services type thing and then became other things. Um, it's quite interesting that you guys took the strategy of, of you know, taking transportation and then putting things on top of that. Um, do people really want that out of a transportation app? Like, do you want to then get financial services from the same company? Oh, so I think that uh, there's different way to, to, build, to build a super app. Uh, we have a super app that, as you said, come from uh, the chat, some come from uh, financial services. I think in that specific case, we took example of what Grab and Gojek were doing. So it's not something to be really uh, uh, transparent. We didn't invent it. We, 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 really we went on a copycat on this model. But it's true that the transportation in those countries, if you look at mototaxi, people drive every morning. And what build a super app is you want to have the daily repeat transaction. Okay, or daily repeat engagement. So either every day you're gonna go in the chat and speak with people, either you're gonna make a specific transaction every day, or you're gonna make a transportation. So it's true that you start with the transport, hopefully people will, will use you every morning to go to work. And in our case, we, we are formalizing an existing transportation and supply that exists. If you go to Togo, where I am right now, you have a lot of motorcycle in the street, you can just hail, you know? and there's no helmet, and the price is not fixed, and they're already there. If you use our application, you're gonna have a fixed price, you're gonna have insured drivers, they're trained, and it's gonna be the same price. So what we do is that some people, they use our service every day, okay? And then every day they open the app, and now they can order food, and then they can make payment, and we're upselling to the same user in one experience. And to your question, would it like this? I think it's about the, how serious and how people will trust your brand. No, uh, and we've seen that uh, all around with, with many companies. As long as you think that we have proper operation and we, we, we treat our client and our driver well, there's no reason they wouldn't uh, want to, to use us for any other services. I think my experience with delivery and rideshare, it's kind of cut and dry. Like I, I get what I needed and I'm off, I'm off, right? So what I realized is my phone auto delete my Uber every once in a while because I just haven't used it in a while. Uh, even if I do use it, I spend like a total of, you know, five minutes on it. So is there a challenge on keeping people, not only checking in every day, but keeping them staying in that app to do more service? Like, is there anything you're thinking that can keep people in the app longer? This is why we're adding more and more services. And we have services, we have four core vertical. So we have the transportation, we have the delivery. We also do financing of vehicle for our driver. And we have all the, the payment, mobile money. We're going to be under license soon. But the fifth things we're doing, which is not like a core vertical, is like what we call mini apps. It means that we integrate third party. Okay. So we want to be sure that you're going to find everything. One part is our core business. And for us, it's the infrastructure. Those four, like transportation, delivery, financing, and payment. 
and the rest it could be an airline, it can be games, it can be many other, many other services or uh, health services. We're speaking to many companies we're about to integrate in the next three to 12 months. That's going to make sure that our user will get even more and more. So you, you always want to give them a good reason to come back for any other services, but you need few key services, and I believe that payment and transportation uh, are part of it. We could also think about uh, including a, a chat, but it's not the main one because we have like Telegram and WhatsApp. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I was going to say something about the chat and sort of like how most African companies that are building or trying to build a super app are not coming from the chat angle because I think that that bus is sailed, that ship is sailed with WhatsApp and all the other services. But, you know, when it comes to payments, you know, there's more of that where banks started it for first, but now you have startups that are trying to include more payment options because I think um, what you realize and... Uh, I think, Rafael, you agree with this as well, is that because of the lack of infrastructure that already exists in terms of like a lot of these like countries and services, if you as a company go ahead and build that infrastructure, it can really service other options, right? And then people are going to come back to you for, for daily things. And so I'm not, maybe I'm not staying on the Gojek app for, um, for, you know, to ch ch chat with my family, but I'm going to be on there to pay for my water, to pay for my electricity, to send money to a friend, to, you know, pay for a delivery service. So I think that sort of like is the angle, just based on living on the continent so far, um, that I see a super app sort of like getting into. I fully agree. I fully agree. And with that financing, like, would you expand that to financing more things or to offering nano loans to people, that kind of thing? Like, are you looking sort of in the financial services space as a growth area for you guys? I think what, yes, to answer first, yes, we will expand, but we will expand on a specific uh, a community that where we have a proper interaction. So it means our merchant. So we're looking to help our merchants to finance uh, and to get some cash flow for their businesses, uh, because and our merchant can be a food uh, food company, a restaurants, and they, they, uh, so that's one. It could be their employee if they use our payroll system was coming. If you're paying all your employee with our payroll, and after six months we see that it's a, a constant uh, payment, then we can build credit scoring on this. So yes, we're looking to expand, but in a really structured way uh, that integrate uh, all our business and all our transactions. So um, speaking of expansion, right, um, so you started off in, um, in Togo, I believe that was the first market. Um, so maybe the question I had or I have is, you know, why Togo first? And obviously, now that you're spreading into other parts of Francophone Africa, you know, how easy has that been and what's been the big challenge? But maybe first of all, like why Togo? Why not say, for example, Abidjan, for example, which is maybe a closer, a, a bit more, I guess, you know, technological um in terms of like a city like Abidjan, for example? Uh, our uh, strategy is to go to Francophone. Okay, so that's really important because mm -hmm. uh, some other questions people sometimes ask, say, oh, well, you didn't go to Ghana, you didn't go to Nigeria, to Kenya, <laughs> and say, yeah, everybody's going there. It's really busy. Uh, as you can see, I have this really strong French accent. So being French is not the best thing in the world, but sometimes it can help. And in that <laughs> case, going to Francophone market, it does. So we thought with, with Gregory, I think Francophone market are really interesting. We're talking a lot about uh, about fintech, you know, uh, right now. And what we like about francophone for the biggest part is that we have the franc CFA, who's the local currency with respect to euro, and that's an excellent currency on the African continent to do a fintech business. So that's why we're even more attracted by the francophone market. Now, when we look at the francophone market, it's around 250 million uh, people a year. Uh, uh, just I'm talking about sub-Saharan now. 
because we're not looking at all uh, to north to uh, North Africa. That's not part of our uh, our, our target countries. We're really into sub-Saharan, and even more specifically, right now we're looking at West and Central Africa. So this is where we 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 believe there's a big opportunity, and where we have all the, all the the francophone market. And so this is the 250 million people uh, living there, and then you have around around 10 countries. So when we started, uh, and I would say when we decided we're going to start, we're thinking, okay, it's going to be really complex. We're going to do a lot of mistakes. Uh, it's going to be really difficult. So we said, let's make the choice. Let's find a place where a mistake is going to cost us $1 per mistake and not $100 per mistake. So I would take the two extreme. I think, I think uh, if you go and start in Lagos, Nigeria, every mistake is going to cost you $100. And I think in, in Togo, at the other extreme, we said, okay, it's interesting. There is going to just cost us $1. And at the same time, we're thinking, let's find a market where when we're going to start, nobody's going to come immediately to compete. Say, oh, that's a good idea. You know? Everybody's face for at the beginning, like, oh, why are you going to Togo? Nobody's going to come. Say, that's perfect. Nobody can come. Uh, I, mean, I would say nobody will be motivated to come and, and compete with us. Uh, they will be looking at other markets. And you're right. In Abidjan, you have already a number of companies operating. Um, but that's fine for us because we believe the market is big enough. So that's what we did. And as we were looking at the full francophone countries as one big market, okay, uh, we were already thinking from day one that we're going to add more and more countries really quickly. So our company has been designed from day one to be a multi-market company and to be structured that way. So we're in Togo. I mean, you're, Toby, you're nearby in Ghana. You know that we have another country who's Benin. And those two countries are really similar. They're just, they're just three hours away by car. We're also three hours away from, from you in Accra. But Cotonou uh, Lomé is just three hours drive. Uh, and it's another 13 million population. Togo is seven to eight million. So we said, let's do Togo. And immediately we can replicate in Benin, even though it's going to be another country, another company, another operation, but it's really nearby. And then we can continue expanding. We have opened Gabon uh, this year. And uh, in next week, I'll be in Douala and Cameroon. It's going to be the fourth country we're going to be opening uh, before the end of the year. You mentioned mistakes. So let's talk about mistakes for a little bit, if you're comfortable oh, with we it. We love mistakes. Um, <laughs> let's dial back a little bit. What is the earlier, earlier challenge, I guess, that you have to encounter? Is it getting people comfortable with the app, getting drivers to sign up? Is it getting financing? Since we started, the, the demand part has never really been the issue. Uh, we, we, have, we had a really good acceptance from the population to use our service. Uh, I think the most complex part was to really understand uh, our drivers, our champions, uh, what was really like what they were looking for. And in order to do our business properly, you need to have happy drivers and you, have to, you need to have a proper uh, unique selling proposition. So at the beginning, we thought that we could really help them by bringing them more revenues, which we did. Okay, but then we realized that it was not enough because we really started to really understand the PNM. And that has been a really long process. Uh, today we have a number of uh, former drivers, we call ambassadors, they are employees, and they work with us all the time to understand what's going on in the streets and what, what the drivers want. Uh, and what we've realized is that the drivers said, okay, it's good to bring me more revenues, but the market outside uh, is already structured. You know how much is a ride and you can work a bit more, I can bring you more clients, a bit more revenue, but it's, it, at some point it's limited. Where there was a lot of, of money for them to make, and I would call that net revenue, 
net meaning after all the cars they have. And the two biggest cars they have, one is, 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 uh, is, is petrol, but this one will have not much influence. But the other one is the bike, because they all lease their bike into the informal market. And that's why we've started this business, because here they could make a massive saving. And on top of the saving, we could really provide a really structural environment. What I mean by that is that we act as a, as a company, so we have rules that apply for everyone. When you're financing your bike in the informal market and you go to the owner of a, a grocery shop nearby, today he wants the money, today he wants to take back the bike, so you never know what's going to happen. And that, that's the big problem for a lot of those drivers is that uh, it's uncertain, you, you, you want some predictability on, on many things, and it's this job, when it's informal, you have zero productivity. You don't know what's going to happen to you. Uh, in our case, everything is highly structured. You get the bike, you know when you're going to pay. Uh, and depending on the problem, what can happen, we already tell you what's going to be, uh, how we're going to be acting, you know. Uh, and that's key. Uh, so uh, to answer uh, specifically to your question, the biggest challenge is a really understanding how we can bring value to the driver. Uh, and when you solve this, you're basically solving all the rest of the business. This is where it, it, uh, uh, it's the key. What about, um, obviously, this changing between countries, like um, obviously Togo and Benin might be quite similar, but what kind of um, troubles have you encountered along the way, you know, when, when you're getting into like different cultures, different ways of doing things and, and even different regulations? I mean, aren't there some cities where you can't, you know, have motorbike transport, some cities where you can? So yeah, how tricky has that been in, in kind of your expansion plans? So I would say uh, countries are not exactly the same. Obviously, we have same language, uh, same currency, same, almost the same uh, water system uh, um, for, for legal, it's like the same. Then it's more cultural. Yeah. Uh, we have many things who are, are not the same, the way, and specifically with the drivers, uh, the way they, are, uh, they act and they behave. Uh, so that's the, what we've seen. But when you're talking about regulation, we have a bit too extreme in markets where we're going. Either the, the markets are really non-regulated and you have a massive informal market, who's the case, for example, in Togo, where I am now, the driver are not registered by, to the CTO with a, a license number and those kind of things. So in that case, it's quite easy for us to operate because we have really structured driver. They have equipment, they have helmet, they have insurance, they're trained, they have a, they have a smartphone. That we have really specific rules. So we're the best in class. We're, sh we're showing the example. Okay? And, and we have excellent uh, relation with all the authorities and the government. They love what we do. We're showing what is right to be done uh, and properly executing a transportation. Then on the other extreme, if we go to a market who's already quite regulated, and let's take Gabon where we're already operating, then you have a regular taxi, uh, motor taxi is not allowed, so we're not operating motor taxi. It's only a taxi or cars, and they're registered to the city hall, they have a number and everything. So we just use the existing supply, the existing taxi, who are regulated, and we make sure that they're all uh, paying their tax and they're the proper driver. And we come as a reservation system. Okay? So they're using the app, and people in the city can book those existing taxi with our application. So we make sure every time we, we comply or we show the best example if there's nothing to comply. 
Okay, interesting. So you're kind of like evolving to each market and, and changing things up a bit when you have to, right? Exactly. We're, we're adapting every time. Every time we're entering a market, I'll be in Douala in Cameroon uh, in a week and we're already discussing how we're going to enter the market. And that's also the beauty of a super app because we're like, okay, motor taxi, tricycle, cars, uh, food, uh, gas bottle. We have so many options and we're already operating most of it in different countries. So we're like, uh, I'm also Swiss, so it's like the Swiss knife strategy, you know? We can just decide uh, Very adaptive. which vertical, which, which service uh, we're going to be using. And, you know, I'm, I can almost predict the answer to this, but is there any sort of like plans to move from Francophone Africa to any part of Anglophone Africa? So uh, at some point, yes. But at some point means the day we will uh, have a really strong leadership posi- uh, position in the Francophone. We still have some, some, some work. You know, it's, as I said, it's 250 million. Now, at the end of the year, we're going to be operating in four countries, but the really important countries we're going to add are uh, DRC, Ivory Coast, Senegal, uh, Burkina Faso, and Mali. And that's going to be totalizing 230 million, 230 million uh, population. If you look from a geographic uh, point of view, are Ghana and Nigeria, because all those countries I talked about, those francophone countries, are surrounding those two countries. Taking us back to the app, actually, because let's talk about that experience right now. Like right now, uh, when people log onto the app, what is the experience like? My one experience with Grab was just in in Bangkok, and I I was shocked that the guy picked me up in a motorcycle. He hand me a helmet that doesn't fit me, and the whole time my helmet was like kind of dangling off my neck, and I was just like really afraid I was gonna fall off the bike. From all the videos I see, you guys have proper uniform, proper helmet, and so what is the experience like? What do you you know? Are people able to get a ride really within five minutes or like are people to get their food within 10 minutes what is that experience like right now and is there anything you want to improve um going forward obviously we're, we're obsessed by all those uh delivery time and uh, and uh eta and as all delivery and, and writing uh, a company uh but yes i mean you've used grab but we want to have a really uh a, good and strong experience. We want to provide a fixed price to our clients. Uh, we want to provide uh, safety and security. So we have a helmet, we have a hairnet to protect your hair. Uh, our, our drivers uh, have a, a jacket where you can see them at night. Uh, the bike is insured. And the most important goes to the driver who's trained to be a good driver, to be polite, to drive safely, uh, to bring you to the right place, uh, uh, to always make sure that you respect the rules of what the app is saying on the price, uh, that if it doesn't have any change to give you back, if you're paying in cash, it will give you back the, the, uh, the money back in your wallet for the remaining amount. Uh, so the experience is getting better and better. I'm interested, like, what do you think about how, you know, the transportation sector has kind of evolved over the, the last couple of years, obviously with Uber coming in and then Bolt, there are these big companies that are international coming in. You guys are kind of starting more from like a local, like, you know, starting in Africa type of thing. But but you've only been around for a couple of years now. But, you know, what's your view on that evolution and like where you guys kind of fit into the makeup of everything and, and how, you know, how much competition there is, I guess? I think our biggest competition is the informal market. It's driver in the street, alone. Uh, that any client can uh, can be hailing and say, uh, I want to go there and, uh, and fix the price. But now we have 
either from the driver's side. Yesterday we were in a, in a taxi and the guy said, oh, I don't want to take clients in the street anymore because I'm worried about security, I'm worried about many things. And so now we view it's a really stru structured business and there's already, not, it's, not everything is perfect, but at the end I get much more advantage to work with Gozem uh, than to be an independent driver uh, alone with my taxi. Your thoughts around, I guess, collaborations between Francophone and Anglophone speaking com companies in, in this case, like, you know, obviously there, it feels like two very distinct markets, but still in the same region. So is there a world where, you know, a Gokada, for example, is working with, you know, a Gojek in, in this case, because obviously you guys have built and entrenched yourselves in these markets. Um, and then maybe by co combining services, there could be something better than trying to eat into each other's markets in that sense. Or maybe I might, I'm looking at this too naively, um, is what you might say. Right now, and I think I, I believe huh, it's going to be for the next 12, 18, 24 months, a quite really like separated market uh, because the two ecosystems are, 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 are really completely different. I think from a super app perspective, soon we're going to be going to have some really interesting way to, to, to partner. Uh, and I think remittance, it's a case. You have a lot of people from Benin working in Nigeria or the opposite, uh, sending money. Uh, I think as well in the um, uh, intercity transportation. So when you go, you're going to go to from Cotonou to Lagos and you're going to have a ticket. So it's moving people from Benin to Nigeria or moving people from, uh, and those bus already exist, but this, this transportation or ticketing is not digitalized yet. If you're going to go from Accra to Lomé. So I think it's going to go more, it's going to start work there into the interaction. And maybe some companies will start partnering. And obviously from a more like m &A perspective, we're going to see not yet, but at some point it's going to have, we're going to see some consolidation and consolidation uh, discussion are coming into the table uh, between all those companies, specifically between Francophone and uh, English speaking uh, uh, countries to so say, okay, uh, we need to look at, uh, especially here in the, in, in the West and Central Africa, uh, because I think the overall, as I say, is 250 million. If you look at all the francophone of, of West and Central, and then you have Nigeria with 200 million and, and Ghana. So in terms of population, you look at a half a billion people in West and Central, split between English speaking and francophone. So obviously uh, something is gonna happen. Mm, so so there, there might be a storm coming <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's our conversation and we mentioned that he, they really care about employees being happy the other thing that stuck out to me was that they care about employees being properly trained you know if you see any of their videos you see that they all wear the uniform they all wear the same helmet like there's a they want to synchronize that experience across the board and you really have to think about this when you are expanding so quickly right and i think um what you were saying about rolling out so quickly i think that is must be quite a difficult thing and also into these different countries because it's francophone africa but each country you know must be quite different so i think that that was quite interesting him saying that they have to be like a swiss army knife um and kind of adapt to each market and change because regulations are different you know in this market you're allowed to do this in that market you're allowed to do that and then also what people want is different so i think maybe that's a clever way for this kind of super app concept to be you know rolling out majority of the same things okay cool we're starting with the ride sharing and with deliveries but if that doesn't work we'll pivot into something else in in these markets yeah like and speaking of like moving into different markets and also like ride hailing i think when uber also came to nigeria they 
first it first seemed like they were adopting like similar strategies that had worked in European markets and that didn't play out quite well right until they brought on you know this person that I ha like had a lot of experience working with Nigerian customers and you know they were able to really tailor the experience to make sense for example I don't think we ever thought that you know people wanting to accept money in cash would be a thing right because obviously in the US everything works with credit cards and things like that in Nigeria nobody was comfortable putting their cards on on the app so most people were you know doing you know things by cash there were also a lot of test rides at the start like people would just request to see if it works and then cancel the ride once the right driver gets there so there was all of that sort of like in the initial stages and i think what you're realizing is i think there's a lot more conversations going on with drivers um when it comes to to super to tra transport and logistics apps um on the continent so i wasn't too surprised to hear him say the thing about trying to focus on drivers a lot um because at the end of the day um there's a wider population of people that are willing to use the service but not that many that are willing to come on the service and start to serve other people i think one, one thing that stood out for me particularly was how he said it's cheaper to make a mistake in in, in togo than it is in a different market and that's and do you agree with that toby I do in in the sense that like but but it's it's sort of like a double edged sword because you would also fail slower in in certain markets right like something that something that doesn't work will be very obvious very quickly in a very big market like Lagos but in somewhere like Togo you could get away with quite a lot um, and those could be bad habits that you're building into your company so it's really a, a way to balance things but for the super app idea I think it makes sense to go into a new market and places like that which is why I asked the question about what happens when you know anglophone and francophone Africa probably start to mix right what is the strategy for that because I do mm. think that's coming so we go from Swiss army knife to double-edged sword. <laughs> a lot of cutting. A, a lot of cutting episode. in his analogy. It's cutting edge. <laughs> oh no, oh my God, Paula, no, 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 no. Uh. And yeah, I, f I feel like if he, if he focus on making their employees happy, and satisfy with 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 their how they're being treated and they make sure the customer customer experience doesn't have to be the same but it has to be just good enough for them to just keep going back to i think that's a, re a recipe for success no question mm -hmm.